0: What's up, bro, dudes? What's, what's up, dude? you doing? Yeah, what's up, dude? What's
1: up? What's up, dude?
0: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. oh man i had uh i had appointments at the wazoo up until right into se- until seven so i wanted to do daytime and evening prayer before i started i got into total three d n mode you know what I mean oh
1: definitely man did you do it or did you youtube instead <laughs> no i
0: I got on the train with uh, a couple bro dudes who I had heard had kind of a covenant packed accountability system with youtube that i've I've since joined i've yoked myself to them where you have to text these other two guys asking permission to look at YouTube anytime you wanna watch it and like give a reason. Wow. Yeah. Huh, is it going well? I just got into it two days ago, but yeah, so far. Awesome. A couple times where I've been like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna go on YouTube or somebody links to a video and you think, oh, I'll just watch this video. And then you think, well, I made a promise. And do I really need to? Because it cuts you off at the pass
1: before
0: mm-hmm. you get into mm-hmm. the vortex. So, no, well, I did not YouTube. I I did I did evening prayer.
1: Nice, man. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for an evening cast. It's been a long time since we've done one of these.
0: I know. And that's the, the only reason I'm not drinking Guadalupe Roastery coffee right now, but rather beer, yeah. rather beer is because it's an evening cast.
1: This is Three Dogs <laughs> North after dark. Mm, after dark. Uh, we just poured... Some Evan Williams bourbon into mini red solo cups, which is pretty exciting. Very classy. Yeah, absolutely. Evan Williams, that's good. It's about to get it's about to get sloppy.
0: (laughs) Are you you drinking away your sorrows, having lost the um, the first place trophy in dramatic fashion? Well, (laughs) I wasn't, but now I am.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You bastard!
0: Did you? Uh, Wait, did not? No, you guys didn't win. I watched it. Of course, I was at mass doing priestly things when you guys were actually playing live, but <clears throat> I went to see the live feed and it had saved it the whole Sunday game thing. Like the, sem- the I think the consolation game in the morning and then later in the morning, the uh, championship between you and who was the team? St. Vincent de Paul? That's right. St. Vincent de Idiot. Oh my gosh, they had two players. One bald guy, tall guy with the knee brace. And then the other guy, number five, I think, who were lights out, man. They're pretty dang good. Three-point land and good ball handlers. And they were getting a lot of rebounds.
1: Hey, listen, I just got to say this. I offered Mets and Joe Wagner and the team before the game to play and guard number five. Really? And they didn't take me up on it. There you go. All right. Yep.
0: (laughs) That's on them. So, they can't put that evil on
1: you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I said, listen, you need me. I'm in. I can do it.
2: Biggest mistake of the tournament. Put yeah. me in, coach. I'm ready it. to go. That won't happen next year. Who was coaching you guys? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, it's sort, of, it's sort of me. Sort of Joe Wagner. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Co-player coach. coaches.
1: Yeah. You should bring that back. LeBron James kind of does that, doesn't he?
2: Basically. Or, okay. Yeah, a lot of the superstars in the NBA do that.
0: Well, it was fun anyways. You know what was really fun was uh, Mike Bremer's commentary on the games. Made it hilarious, dude. (laughs) He kept kept saying a couple of my favorite phrases were, the first of two halves. We're 10 minutes. (laughs) We've got 10 minutes left in the first of two halves. (laughs) Uh, A couple other ones got me. Hit my funny bone. He was, he did all these like fun basketball facts because he really knows nothing about basketball. So there would be like free throws and he'd go, now Joe Wagner is going to shoot one or two shots because <laughs> the first couple times he said two shots and they were shooting fouls where they made it. So they only got one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, I guess it was just one shot.
1: <laughs> Old Bremer. Old Bremer. Good. What a guy. What
0: a guy. Mike, are you up doing stuff? Get, get yeah. to the microphone. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Rock yeah,
2: the
0: yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. There we go. I'm, you know, okay. just getting bottled like up now, here. I feel like I lie. don't have your attention, your undivided attention.
2: No, I'm listening. I'm just kind of up and about. I'm, yeah. I'm settled now. Um, yeah, Bremer knows absolutely nothing about <laughs> basketball.
0: <laughs> it's really a classic to have him the play by play guy.
2: Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Everyone that I've talked to uh, listened and watched has commented on his commentary (laughs) (laughs) and so far i've heard the best one the best little like side fun facts that he did was the sticky pad on the side of the bench did you listen to that one no i didn't
0: hear that one what did he say
2: so you're supposed to use it it goes over and cleans your shoes Hmm. and takes all the dirt off your shoes so you have more traction Mm -hmm. and he he holds up in front of the camera and he goes this brothers is a sticky pad (laughs) Players use it because it gets stick on their shoes and makes them slower on the court. So they use it to form the virtue of humility. (laughs) Like, I'll go over and he's holding the basketball in front of the camera. Like, Who knows what he's saying?
0: Oh man, it made it so much more entertaining to watch that live feed. The -hmm. fact that you just had somebody... It was like he was watching it with us and then just talking to you. There was one point where Theo goes in and he goes... Fun fact about Theo McManagle, his name means God in Greek, but he's not God. He is a human. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like that's, that's a fun fact.
0: Perfect. It's a, he's the perfect
1: guy for it. Yeah. Well, hey, so how we, do I turn off the text messages coming through on my computer again?
0: You hit, uh, you hold option and you click the uh, the very right top corner with the bars Got and it. the dots. Mm-hmm. And it should go gray. Option.
1: I wasn't hitting option. That was mm-hmm. the
0: problem. Mm-hmm. Good call. I'm going to do that too. So every yeah. once in a while you just hear a ding. Yeah, be present, man. Come yeah, be,
2: be present to us, Father.
0: Okay, I'll try.
2: What, do you guys want to mm-hmm. pray? Yeah, I'll pray. Nice. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Anna. amen. Relax. Father Oaks, pray, pray for, for us. us. Pray for us. Hey Father Oaks got a shout out during our HCT class today. What? Yeah, today and last week, actually, as a response to Nestorius. Well, it's about time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His response was absolutely delicious. <laughs>
1: mm. Was it something like was it an idea he formulated or was it just something? Yeah,
2: so it's one of the answers that he gives in infancy dwindled infinity dwindled to infancy. Hmm. Um, can you remember what he has to say to Nestorius? Paul Connor,
0: in that book specifically, no, Ooh. Nestorius would have been the one that said Mary's the mother of Jesus, not the mother of God. Right. But the rebuttal to that is that Jesus is God, and you you don't want right. to divide the persons.
1: Yeah. So Nestorius is, is that like was that when you use like communication of idioms or something like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, so whatever
0: yeah. can be said of the, whatever can be predicated of, the nature. Can be predicated of person. I can't remember the person. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: that's, that's exactly almost a. It. So yeah. he says it's a, Nestorius is a problem of predicates because Nestorius's heretical presumption is that persons belong to natures. Right. So he thinks that there are two persons in Jesus. Hmm. So the human person okay. for his human yep. nature and the divine person for his divine nature. Hmm. But Oakes's brilliant response is. Um, Natures don't act; subjects do. Persons, persons yeah. act. So you can act through your nature, but the person itself is acting. So you can't say like um, just the human Jesus. This happened too, but you say the person of Jesus, which includes the divine and the human nature. Which is why the communication of idioms yeah, does similar, exist.
1: like like natures don't die, people die. Exactly. So Jesus was God. God mm-hmm. died. Um, you say that you can
0: still say God died in his humanity
1: true
2: exactly that's so it's through through a nature Mm -hmm. but Jesus died in his humanity Mm -hmm. which yeah communication of idioms which comes from Cyril of Alexandria who apparently was just like a brawler of a dude Um, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if he was a saint but yeah, he read, Father Father Lepton read some of the stuff that his contemporaries wrote about him after he died. And it says essentially like, yeah, all the living are happy that he's dead. <laughs> the only thing that we're worried about is that the dead are going to send him back because they're not going to want him. Oh, yeah. Didn't they well, like so, put a
0: big rock over his grave? So he yeah, we're asking the grave digger
2: to put a huge rock over <laughs> his
0: casket <laughs> so Holy he can't come back to life. Smokes. Yeah,
2: Dang. Yeah, and he was a part of a really controversial murder um, in some way, and it's kind of like
0: um, who wasn't though, you know, dubious uh, about
2: his That's his actual point, participation probably. in it. Yeah, but they made a movie out of it.
0: Really, uh, a good yeah, movie. Yeah, it was some
2: pagan. No, it's a, it's a pagan philosopher woman. What Was it called the Christmas Story? Is that it? No, it's a Christmas Carol. It's a metaphor, it, except it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, is it a legend or is it real? Oh, it's a real legend. All right. <laughs> yeah, but Father Lovedin so funny about like the movie and the whole story. He's like, "Yeah, it's a terrible movie. They portray Christians in an awful light, but if you want to see what Alexandria was like in you know the four hundreds, it's a great movie to watch." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alexandria and the four hundreds. That would be interesting.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: I've always wondered that. Because that's a pretty sophisticated
0: city.
2: Yeah. He said the movie is ahistorical.
0: Hmm. Meaning not historical.
2: Meaning not historically accurate at all. (laughs) Yeah. So, But it's always said with this Father Lupton, like, absolute charity and and kindness there. Father Lupton
0: said one of the funniest things. Well, I don't want to say that one of the funniest things I've ever heard. But one of the funniest father lupton things ever was after we played dodgeball he was like our kind of quasi cam priest i think he really was he was a kind one of the cam priests for pre-theology my pre-theology year it was he was getting his um stl done before he went off to catholic U to get his doctorate and he's just a bookworm he's like one of the smartest guys ever and just can read like a hoss and and reproduce what he's read in in terms of like curriculum he taught a catechism class for the first time uh to us as pre-theologians he'd never taught it before and he like taught the entire catechism from front to back and it was clear to me that he would read every word mm-hmm. and then like written down like a curriculum and a lesson plan and stuff but we played dodgeball one night and father gus got in there too and i felt really bad because i I whipped one right by father Gus's head. Not really meaning to throw it that hard. You know, when you, you know, when one just gets away from you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you see it floating. It's like a volleyball. So they kind of float pretty slow, but, um, it was also going fast enough that it hit the brick wall behind him and made a big thud. And he just looked at me (laughs) like I had killed his dog. Like what (laughs) was that for? (laughs) Like, I'm so sorry. So we were getting pretty silly. And, uh, we were leaving the, the gym and Father Lupton just goes to me and whoever I was next to. I think it was Dan Volvachny. He goes, Huh, it's fun to be goofy in different contexts. <laughs> 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 that's, that's such a strange thing to say, but perfectly him. It's fun yeah. to be goofy in different contexts. Yeah. Like, I realize so, no one speaks like that. <laughs> no one right? talks like that. Yeah. So every once in a while, I'll text either Dan or Scott. Like, this is just your reminder that it's fun to be goofy in different contexts. <laughs>
2: and like, that's how he thought about it. That's how he was experiencing that situation. Yeah, was like, like this
0: was a context in which to be goofy.
2: <laughs> it was entirely intellectually categorized and, <laughs> right? and like thought through, processed. That's like the 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 Baron commentary on World War Z. I think he opens and he was like, yeah, the whole movie, you know, it was a great movie, awesome father figure. The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking about the Council of Trent. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. But,
2: what? Really? I, I did not see that coming. Dang. <laughs> and it fits perfectly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It wasn't his commentary that, that the disease was spread through like inheritance or something like that, that that was how sin...
2: Yeah, it's yeah. not just there's like uh, propagation. Uh, propagation, propagation, not imitation. Not yeah, imitation.
0: Not imitation yep. Yeah. That's a brilliant commentary. It bro. is. It's
2: ridiculous. That's a great it. movie.
0: Yeah. It's a great zombie movie. Yeah, it is. I think it's probably my favorite zombie movie. Zombie Land <laughs> was pretty good, but
1: <laughs> I did Bold see Bold Claim. I saw Zombie Land in college, same. And then I saw World War Z. I think we watched it in the cam room one yeah. night. Zombie got good. one of
0: my favorite lines ever, too. Woody Harrelson says to the kid he, after he he says something smart alecky to him, and Woody Harrelson just turns to him. and goes, "Do you want to feel how hard I can punch?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that line,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: dude. This is uh, this is old school, like back to the roots of 3D N right here. Mm-mm.
0: Just, just I- shooting the shiza.
2: Well, just uh, especially the the night feel. And and the kinda... night feel. We always used to cast
1: at night, man.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, had, like think about the origins of it. It came about us hanging out in the camera That's together. True. Late yeah. at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After like
0: the movie night yeah. was over and everybody else had gone to bed. Yeah.
1: yeah. And we, we, for real, we would cast for like three hours yeah. in those that early is. days. And then we would get like th- three podcasts out yeah. of
2: it. Yeah, we would. Mm-hmm. This is a type of ressourcement. If you will. Vive.
0: <laughs> <Anfantes>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I uh I went and baptized that baby that I was talking about last time, um, with Down syndrome. It made me think mm-hmm. of you it made me think of you, Mike, and that baptism that you guys had. It wasn't nearly as dramatic because this baby's not um dying or anything like that. It wasn't you remember the where you brought her out on the patio? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. whole thing. Anyways, it was it was really lovely. It was a Hispanic family. Um, and they had wanted to have a baptism like in the church and stuff when she was better, but she has to have this heart surgery. And um, they just, you know, she was kind of sick. And because of her weak heart and everything else being premature, it's just not safe for her to leave the hospital. So I went and brought, as Father Tom Byrne told, uh, said, I gave him the full. What did he say today? I called him and asked him like some advice. He goes, "Why don't you give him the the whole shooting gallery or something?" He goes, "Ah, dang it, I forget. It was like the whole meal deal or the real meal deal." But he said the said some weird phrase. Let me look at the up. whole the whole kitten caboodle, something like that. I I texted him later and asked him the, the whole, whole shooting bang the whole shooting match. He goes, why don't you give him the whole shooting match and do the the oils and the candle and the white garment and everything? So I did. Brought him all that stuff um, <laughs> in the hospital. Blessed the water uh, with the with the whole blessing. They had padrinos there. They had her. Somebody had handmade a like a dress for her. I mean, this is a tiny baby. Yeah. And they would handmade this white dress. It was it was lovely. And these shoes with the doily. Like the kind of frilly uh socks and everything, and yeah, very cool. I'd never done that before, um baptizing in the hospital, but it was cool. And then I came back here and did a couple marriage prep appointments i am I've got marriage prep for days dude i I don't know how many couples that I'm preparing right now, but I usually stack them up, and uh there's multiple nights where I have three or two or wow. Uh, are they all evening meetings for those wedding preps usually evening yeah because i mean they're working people so it's not like they're coming in on a week it's either that or weekends saturdays yeah but that's kind of that's the life of a priest man you work when other people aren't yeah
1: yeah it's you bring it up that's super cool about that baby that you got to baptize in the hospital but just thinking back maybe a little bit more to metz's story um i don't know just yeah how like beautiful that story was but then just like how hard that reality is that they lost their baby and everything too um i've been thinking about this the past few days of i was as a homily i gave maybe two or three weekends ago and i honestly don't remember yeah like how i laid it out or anything like that the specifics of it But at one point I said I I made I had some type of line in there of like, you know, in my relationship with God, like how I interact with God, I want him to lay everything out for me, you know, and I want to know, like, what's going to happen this week, what's going to happen this year, 10 years, etc. I want to I want the whole plan. And um, I was talking to this lady after mass, who's probably like, she's not old at all, probably like mid 40s or something. Um, And she was just saying and she's gone through like a fair amount this this year like lost a couple loved ones and stuff and and she just it was just a very passing line that she said that really stuck with me and she was like man she was like that's funny that you say you want everything laid out because she's like i i can't say that anymore like it just i just couldn't function like wow. if i knew how hard it would be yeah you know wow. and
0: that's the other shoe huh
1: yeah and like she's very happy like she's very happy very faithful lady you know and just like very earnest and saying that and she was it wasn't even like a feedback of the homily we were just talking right and she was like oh man that's just not how i think about it anymore you know as i've lost like some people close to me and stuff and um yeah i don't know that just made me think of it yeah yeah, for better or worse did that do anything for you there yeah i mean um it, it definitely stuck out. You know, I don't know. And it's still like, you know, in the context of the homily, that's just mm-hmm. kind of my personality of like, I'm a planner, you know, borderline prepper. We've <laughs> talked to, yeah. Dude, we that line. Yeah, we've, border, we've talked about that before, you know. Um, <laughs> But even like, it did allow me to kind of go back and it's like, I mean, I never, ever, ever would have guessed I'd be here mm. and... Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to think back on life over the past year, past five years, past 10 years, especially. And yeah, it's like the same sentence, which is crazy, that in some ways, um, I mean, overall, it's like, yeah, I could have never imagined this life or how fulfilling it is or anything like that. Um, And just, yeah, like how excited I am to be ordained in May, all that stuff is is 100% present and then the same the same sentence, it's like, but at the same time, like there's been I don't I don't feel like I've suffered a lot yet in my life. Um, but at the same time, there's also been very real suffering and very real things. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, like to know about that a- ahead of time. Good Lord. I don't that would have been awful, you know, to try to anticipate that or whatever. So it was definitely like a, a point of clarity in my mind um, from kind of what was like a Throwaway line in a in a homily, not yeah. throwaway, but minor anyway. Right. Um, yeah. And
0: it it's just one of those things like you couldn't as a thirty early someone in your early thirties, you can't think like a person in their early to mid forties, right? N- or like a person in their early to mid nineties or whatever. Like you just, I just think there are these seasons in life, and one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is that. Kierkegaard idea that uh, life can only be understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. Just mm. um, kind of a pithy little line, but it's <clears throat> very true. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: It's similar to I reread this past year, I finished around Thanksgiving, I reread the uh, Harry Potter books, which was super fun. But there's a couple good lines in those books. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Dumbledore character was talking about, I don't know, like some conversation with Harry or something like that. But um, he says that, like, in a sense, there's no way to for Harry to, like, appreciate his perspective because Harry's young and he's old. But, like, the sin in the matter was that Dumbledore had forgotten what it means to be young. Hmm. So he's like, we can't expect youth to, like, have this wisdom of the ages. But, like, what sinful... And he didn't use this term, obviously, but... But like what sinfulness is, is like forgetting what it is to be young, yeah. having lived it. Um, it's very cool. I just reminded me of that Kierkegaard thing there.
0: Yeah, well, what I'm getting at is that there are these seasons in life where, like I'd say once I got ordained, um, the thing was learn how to be ordained. You know, like learn what mm-hmm. it, what it is to be a priest, what a parish is all about um how to do all the things, you know. Like I I'm still doing firsts. Th- that was the first time I've ever baptized somebody in a in a hospital. Yeah. Um I'm sure there will be many, many more firsts. But uh you also like, I don't know, you, you hit these you hit your stride at some point and you're like, okay, what's the next thing? And um I just think that looking back on like how I chose seminary, how I ended up kind of electing priesthood through prayer and and discernment. Um, Like all those things, there are these punctuated moments where, okay, now God's will is very, very clear to me. And it's it's a matter of just like a yes or no answer to a question. God's inviting you to say, you know, like, will you do this? And then you say yes. Uh, And you get up your pluck and your courage and you do it. Um, You get ordained, you know you go to seminary or, or whatever, you go to confession, you know, like every little step along the way, it becomes clear to you what God's will is. And there's a horizon, then you get over it. And then what's the next thing. But then the difficulty is like, once, once you're over that horizon, then you're thinking, um, but the temptation is to be like, well, now I'm on my own and I'm learning how to do things and I'm do, you know, I'm doing them and you fall into a routine and some parts parts of that routine are healthy, and parts of that routine are unhealthy, and um, you can easily fool yourself into thinking like you're back into your own self-perfection mode, mm-hmm. or or that life is about you, and not about this grand plan that God has written already. That when you are dying, you will look back and look at every event, including the ones where you thought you you know you were like freestyling. That's kind of how I think about it. There's like moments where it's obvious God has ordained exactly when and where and, and how you're going to live your life and how this thing is going to happen. that's going to change the course of your life for the better. And he's guiding you the whole time with his invisible hand. But then there's a lot of parts where you think you're freestyling and he's like, kind of like letting slack out on the rope and you're just doing your own thing. But even those things, I feel like looking back in context, it's fun to be goofy in different contexts, looking back in context you'll see that he was there always like right there in your face. um, You know, doing it for you. Like, I just don't think it, it doesn't make sense theologically, logically, um, philosophically that we can do anything on our own. You know Uh, we are free, but I, I just think that like almost every second Well, yeah, every, everything in our life is, is ordained in this plan and that God, I don't know, you get into, you get into difficult things like, um, you know, losing that baby. Did God, you know, did God want that and the Odyssey questions? But I just got to think, like, looking back on it all. Yeah. It may, it'll make sense somehow. You know what I mean? Because it's happened in my life that everything has made sense when I look back at it. Yeah and even even my own sin like that's that's what's most difficult like difficult things that happen or suffering that's easy enough to make sense of but what about my own idiotic stupidness you know and my like weakness and wickedness how does how does that make sense but even that i can see in retrospect how it contributed to my ending up choosing for god you know choosing the right thing does that make any sense those things that yeah. i just said
2: yeah yeah i mean it's it's uh purely up up there and out there but absolutely i mean even it's actually one of my favorite things to give a vocations talk because i i almost never prepare those um but i generally just start yeah you know, a certain point in my life and it's incredible how varied each of the vocations talks end up becoming um, because just different moments in my life will come out um, as points of grace and kind of turning points, big or small, that I had never really seen before. And I guess the more that I look back on my life, the more I realize just how ridiculous it is that I ended up where I am. And yet at the same time, just how completely logical it is that I ended up here. Because you, you kind of look back and you see the order of grace that led you to where you are. You know, which is a massively comforting thought for me, like even going into ordination before diaconate, just recalling like just my own history, my own life and seeing how God's hand moved me to that point in preparation for diaconate ordination. And like this is not a mistake that I'm here, Mm -hmm. like and any doubt that I have is is clearly not from the Lord because he has like literally put me in this place. And like you said, like my free will was always present and active, but I can't look back on my life and not see God ordering it to put me in this point right here, right now, which gives you so much confidence in that moment and also moving forward to say like, yeah, I am exactly where, where God wants me to be. Um, yeah, and every time that I look back, something different will pop and something different will stand out. Uh, like the fact... God used basketball to get me into college. And then in college, used the army to get me into seminary. <laughs> like basketball to the army to seminary. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, but you, would have gone, you would have gone to college even if you didn't play basketball, right?
2: Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Uh, but only because I knew that I needed to and knew that right. I had to but like the specific college that I went to I went there because they had an ROTC program and hmm. um the ROTC program led me to a chaplain and the chaplain led me to seminary and
1: yeah um yeah it's just it's aweing if you look at it I mean certainly as you have these realizations from your personal story um but man I don't know if it's just getting and again like 30 is not older wise in world years but it's pretty dang it's, old dude it's it's certainly older and wiser <laughs> than 25 you know like um i know that uh but and maybe it was just being around like uh like that haiti group that we were with that i love so much and it was just like all those testimonies that we heard because everybody kind of gives their little five ten minute testimony at yeah. some point on the trip And again, some were like pretty radical and some were like pretty just ordinary means of grace. And honestly, all of them just like knocked my socks off to hear of like, because I know so many people that have a similar story that like are running from any practice of their faith or any trip like this or whatever, you know, but it's just like how you are here blows my mind and there's just this awe about it um and but but certainly like yeah i mean every era every aspect of my life there's that same thing too of like it just shouldn't be this way or not that it shouldn't be it should be uh but it just makes no sense
2: yeah and (laughs) And yet
1: it it, it makes perfect sense and
2: yet it makes perfect it's (laughs) like the
1: only thing that makes sense yeah
2: no, no no it's very very true yeah and even today uh rob and i went down into the basement of the theology um well the the school building and put on an alb and chasuble uh, and stole mass practicum. come and practicum in the name of the father and, and of the, the son and um, love
1: the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we
2: straight up filmed some baller <laughs> liturgical dance, you know what I'm saying? Dude, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> dude. I so, do. <laughs> so we we went down there and and you know, there's a little homework assignment to uh, um, learn how to celebrate the mass, which is a semester course in seminary. Is learning <laughs> how to celebrate. Like if anyone didn't know that, we don't learn how to celebrate the mass until our last semester of six years of formation, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you get down there and like, you know, we have an assignment. We have to do basically the liturgy of the word up to the, what is it? The Baraka prayers. Blessed are you, Lord God, up to that Mm -hmm. point. Right. Um, And we went down and did like, I don't know, five minutes of preparation for it and got up and like did an okay job for it. And just to see again and to experience in a very real way how much God has been preparing us for, preparing me for priesthood and, um, yeah, just kind of being blown away by how much God has, like, just informed me and shaped me. uh,
0: Well, that's what I I feel that you guys are in a stage of life where it's so obvious, the nearness of God and the explicitness of his plan but i'm saying but i guess what i'm curious about is like a year from now when god willing we're still podcasting and rob's at a parish and mike you're studying at stl and still um, here at at mundelein which is what i did yeah um you know like it's not so obvious what the next horizon is Why,
2: why do you think, why do you think it's, uh, God's nearness is, because I, I do certainly feel and experience his nearness here. Um, but why do you think that is for us here?
0: Um, well, I don't, I'm not you, so I don't know that it is the case, but I know when I feel that, like, I am in the midst of doing something that's obviously God's will, you know, like, there are levels to this. You know, I get up in the morning and I kneel down on my bed and do my morning offering, <clears throat> go get a coffee, read the breviary, um, pray the rosary, look at the mass readings, think of a homily, take a shower, go say the mass. Like, those are all decisions I've made, but I feel are ones that, like, this is, this is how God wants me to spend my morning, you know? Um, but then after that, um, you know, it's like, all right, well, I could do some of the office work that's you know on the docket. I could go work out. I could make breakfast. Um, go to breakfast. You know, like <clears throat> there's any number of options that you have at that moment to just like, and and God won't tell you one way or the other which one's His obvious will. You know what I mean? So there are, I get like that that level of that morning ritual is something that's like made of choices that I've made, but that are kind of conformed to how I feel like in my own discernment, God wants me to start my day that like, so that I have this foundation of prayer and, and the liturgy of the hours, which is a commitment I made as a priest and all this other stuff. Um, But then you get into like the freestyle hours, you know, and then there are ways that like, if I spend my freestyle hours looking at YouTube, which is why you need a covenant group of permission and accountability then you feel that you, that's obviously a misuse of that time, you know, but whether I, you know, go, um, I thought for a while about sitting at Dunkin' Donuts with a sign that just says free prayer. Cause I saw that, uh, I saw an article of a Protestant minister doing something similar at a coffee shop, you know, like you can go do something like obviously evangelical like that, or you can, um, read a book, write a talk. I don't know the, the but when you are in a context like the seminary where a lot of your days are kind of structured for you, like where you're supposed to be at what time and how you're supposed to do things and what assignments you have do. That's it's more obvious. There's an external will kind of directing you. But then on top of that, that there is like a freaking clock counting down to the time at which you will lay on a marble slab and give your life away it's just it's more intense it's it's like a fever pitch this god's will thing whereas the daily life of a diocesan priest is much more it's a little bit ne- more nebulous i should say um but there are these times in life where like you feel this punctuation where it's like okay now that makes sense why i'm here what i'm doing you know whether it's an encounter with a person a person comes into confession and you're like, this is why I was sitting here was for this person, you know? Um, And then there are bigger scale ones like, you know, that's, that's all I'm saying. Does that make sense? Like the baptism today. Right. The baptism today. Um, Yeah. Be a good example.
2: So you're saying you you don't, You're saying you don't experience God's, like the fulfillment of God's will explicitly on the day-to-day basis as a Dawson Breeze.
0: I'm saying life is made up of lots of units of time. One is like hours. How should I spend this hour? What does God want me to do? How does God want me to spend this day? How does God want me to spend this year? You know, or how does God want me to spend this five years? And then there's how does God want me to spend the rest of my life? And you guys are at the point of deciding uh, in a definitive way how you're going to spend the rest of your life. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's a big thing where God is very near to your thoughts and to the structure of what you're doing and why you're doing it. But then, once you make that decision and you've, you're on the other side of that commitment, um, then the question is like, how do I spend my day? How do I spend my year? How do I spend this assignment, etc.? You know. So it's just different questions, is what I'm what I'm getting at. But it's my point is that God is still governing you at every moment and has a plan for every unit of time. I'm convicted of that.
1: I'm not tracking, dude i mean i'm with you that god is governing every moment but i'm confused
0: you're not sure tra- um yeah it's tough because there's something i can't really talk about but um, mm. i got gotcha. you
1: sure sure
0: yeah no problem no problem yeah but do you get what i'm saying like it becomes clear to you like oh i thought i didn't know what i was supposed to do and now i know it you know now i know and uh i don't know He just makes it, like, you can just trust that eventually you get, I guess what I'm saying is that you get into these areas of your life where you feel like, now do I have to just choose for the rest of my life how what I'm going to do? Like, I chose to be a priest, but I'm convinced that God chose that for me. You know what I mean? Now, how am I going to be a priest? You know, and that's a daily decision that you get up and, and you make. But I guess with the life of prayer and trust in him, he will present it to you slowly but surely, even though like you often fail, even though you're often weak and you don't do exactly what he wants you to do somehow in his dang cleverness, like he figures it out and just gets you to do what he wants you to do. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, no, I,
2: I mean, I, I definitely know what you're saying. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I, I think I took us off. No, no, I mean, it's this true. Is, this is after dark stuff, dude. I'll no, edit this all out.
2: I mean, at, at 100% everything that you're saying is, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I keep thinking of Father Walter Chizik's book. Um, he hmm. leadeth That's me. a great example.
0: That that was like the heart of my 30 day was reading that. He leadeth me. Wow. Yeah. And him, like the will of God is the concrete circumstances in which you find yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such a hard, like, I don't know, an idea that goes to the heart of my spiritual life and my experience of God is that that makes f- sense to me on a fundamental level. that it's The will of God is not some idea out there or some place that you're supposed to get to by praying and then he'll tell you how to, like with a roadmap, how to get to his will. His will right. is like, you are living it right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And And so what you're saying, like comparing us to
2: you on the other side of ordination is that in a lot of ways, seminary... It, they do provide like a pretty exact roadmap of this destination hmm. that's coming right. at you, this horizon that's coming at you that's ordination. But once you're on the other side of that destination, of that experience of being ordained, like the roadmap is not so clear. You don't ha- always have a, a horizon. That's of, a great way of saying it. Exactly. Hmm. Of God's will coming at you. And so you mm-hmm. kind of got to
0: choose. But well, then yeah, I mean, you will all- find in retrospect, that, that there even actually you is a that map. there was one, and you didn't. You just didn't see it.
2: Freaking a dude. That's
0: exactly what I mean. Story complete. Story. <laughs> nice. You did. You did good there, Mike. Even if you sucked at basketball, you did good. <laughs> what,
2: just then. dude? But how about Brimmer?
0: Right. Let's, <laughs> talk Let's
2: not talk about the actual <laughs> games, huh?
0: Oh yeah. Were you? Were you disappointed? Were you pretty sad about that? Very. Yeah, I was very sad. Yeah, yeah. I felt bad. Um, you guys played well. That team was just really good. They were very good. Yeah, they had two collegiate D1 basketball I was guessing. Was it the, the, the two guys that I mentioned, the bald guy and the number five? Not,
2: not the bald guy. He probably could have played like a D2, D3. But then, uh, yeah, number five, he played for four years. Um, and then another guy... Walked on at Georgia Tech, uh, and played for them for a couple of years. Wow! So they had some very good ball players. Um, yeah, it. I mean, it was disappointing in execution, um, not an effort given or like in fun to be had. It was all fun. We gave our best effort, but yeah, it's kind of the frustrating thing with sports and life in general, I guess. C'est la vie is you can
0: do everything right but then just miss all your shots
2: yeah you can do and you can prep for it you can lay it all out on the line and you can come up short yeah. um and in some ways i guess it's in your control but in other ways uh yeah, there's nothing i mean i i there's always more i guess you could have done but i wasn't willing to do more <laughs> I, mean, I put in, put in time of practice and mm-hmm. went and shot and um, worked out decently well in preparation for it but yeah, I mean, you get out there and you like. Were you I guys shot. tired? I mean, that was our fifth game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we we had a guy playing with a broken wrist and. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was just. Uh, so that one I, kid, uh, it, that one kid, broke his leg or something. Yeah, a kid like blew his knee. Actually, he dislocated his knee. <laughs> is is it, what ended up happening? So I got to pop it back in. No surgery. Oh, that's good. Thanks be to God. But uh, I mean, the weekend as a whole is just, yeah, that it's it's an incredible weekend. First and foremost, uh, just to have all those guys from all over the country. I mean, we had guys from Portland out here, Mount Angel that that seminary flew out, and actually, Lalo, Lalo was- oh Barragan. He, yeah, that's right. That's right. Tzongon. Yeah, it's in gone. that's right. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's great to spend time with with guys from all over the country and make those connections and um yeah just get to share in the gift of priesthood in a different context it's fun to be competitive in different contexts i guess uh yeah and sports it's just a it's a great gift you know like i really had to go back and uh pray with that feeling of failure which is not an uncommon feeling in sports like if you're going to play sports if you're going to do anything Really, but I mean, I've experienced a lot in life through sports. You got to be ready to fail, and um, that can't it can't be a debilitating fear. So that was actually pretty healing for me. Just saying, like, yeah, I mean, in like production terms, um, we weren't 100 percent successful with the tournament, but I'd do it all the same. Um, so, you got yeah, I never had to.
0: Sim- what's that and you got second place i mean you guys crushed everybody else
2: right yeah besides (laughs) yeah we did yeah we did and it was it it really was a lot of fun like the seminary gets out the seminary was so rowdy this year for Mm -hmm. it it was we had an awesome prep pep band and Mm -hmm. um that would the whole shebang bang like we had yeah the live stream we had dudes announcing games and uh yeah commentating and
0: this is another thing about like my stage in life that i'm at right now is that i've never i don't know how long they've been live streaming these games but i just happened to see it on twitter and i started watching them um like for five minutes and that's when i saw that kid blow his knee out and it was Uh, odd because it it wasn't obvious what happened because it was like the far end of the court that you couldn't see as well but play stopped and the feed got killed but like it was right after the ref had come up to the scorers table and he was like don't look man it'll make you queasy and i was like oh Whoa. yeah it was uh. after a, it was after a charge call and stuff and yeah um anyways the stage of life that i'm at is apparently where you are interested in people not professionals playing basketball Like these, these eighth grade, these eighth grade games. Well, I'm watching, hell, I'm watching the fourth grade. I'm watching the sixth grade. I'm watching the eighth grade, uh, of our school, like the home games, especially that, uh, I'm here for. I go up and I watch them and I, I'm just into it, man. Cause I know these kids. I know their Mm. parents. You know, I've been here for four years and I'm just like Mm. encouraging them and being like, you know, the, there's the kids that you really want to score that obviously, you know, don't score a lot. And then there's the kids that are kind of carrying the team and you're pushing them. And our our gym gets rowdy here, dude, at our parish um, for these games. And it's a lot of moms. uh, But there's one mom that that has uh like nine or ten cheerleaders that are in like first and second grade girls that these little uniforms and pom poms and they. They have these cheers going, and they're on the far side of the court, and we're on the bleachers just yelling. And I'm watching eighth graders play basketball, and I'm loving it, dude. Um, so it just felt like natural on Sunday to be like, "How my boys up in Wonderland doing?" You know, <laughs> like local sports team, school sport, <laughs> alma mater. <laughs> how are they doing? You know, no interest in the Bulls or the Illini. It's like, I want to know how St. Benedict 8th grade and how the seminary tournament turned out. Yeah. (laughs) That's, to me, good sports right there. Which I think is like when you're in middle age, that's what you do. You go to the, your kids are in high school and you go to the high school game, you know. When you're 30s, your kids are in grade school, you go to the grade school games.
2: Yeah, that's some dad stuff right there. It's a total (laughs)
0: dad move.
2: Yeah dad moves
0: <laughs> did anybody's parents come to those games at the seminary
2: yeah we had um a couple of local chicago kids mm-hmm. who, who their folks came up and then you know this this new teaching parish program that we have um some parishioners from various parishes around the area came up as well so yeah good crowds i mean again that gym it, it does get pretty packed
0: yeah uh, it looked, it it's, looked good
2: it's loud. It's very loud. So, which makes playing so much more fun. Oh, like, it's totally, it, dude.
0: That's why I, I it, sat with the yeah. eighth graders at lunch today. I'm like, is it fun playing with all those people? And they're like, yeah, it's so much better playing here than at the other gyms. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's all quiet there. Here, it's really loud. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Could you imagine being like 12, 13? How old are you in eighth grade? 13? 13 yeah, years old th- and just a 12, packed 13, gym you know? just yelling. I feel like a yeah. superstar. Hmm. Can I play some tin whistle for you? Please. Please. You know that one it's good i don't know i don't know what it is i didn't play it perfectly but that's roddy mccorley oh up the narrow street he stepped all smiling bright and young
1: i don't know i still don't know it did you buy your irish flute yet
0: uh rob weren't you gonna do that
1: no i still need to i still need to (laughs) i want to yeah it's fun it's pretty easy to play
2: I had a younger brother who bought a tin whistle at one point, or a tin flute. Learned how to play some Loader songs on it.
1: Uh.
0: Loader? What's that? You're whistling right into the microphone, dude.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's the plan. That's Lord
0: of the Rings? Oh, Loader, yes. Loader, Loader. Uh
1: yeah. Speaking of well, those are great books and great movies, but we also watched Babette's Feast. Oh, over yeah. the you did. Had yeah. you
0: watched cool. it before? I've never watched it.
1: I I've seen talked it. I had about seen it before. Oh, dude, yeah, that
2: was the first time I'd seen it.
0: We, there's a. I remember using episode art from Babette's Feast, the movie, because we talked about it. You must have brought it up, Rob.
2: Probably. Yeah. How did you like it? It was. It wasn't it was moving like I was
1: it's really close to tears. Yeah. Huh.
0: I got to watch. We should
1: watch it together. We should get. Yeah. Either if you can come up in the next few weeks or we can come down. I know Justin Ryan really wants to see it. too. So I told him I would watch it with him again. Mm. And like I realized this is only the second time I've seen it and how they like inter, like just interweave parts of the story. It's a profoundly good movie. Holy smokes.
2: Yeah, I, I plan on watching that with my family, like I told you, yeah. uh, multiple times, probably. So whenever you want to watch it, just let me know. Yeah. I will be down.
0: Do you have it on DVD, or is it on Netflix?
1: or? I Amazon? have it on uh, Amazon, like the digital one. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's on Netflix, right? but I bought it on Amazon at some point.
0: That's a thing with Netflix. They don't have, like... They don't have what you think they're going to have, you know?
1: That is a very good point, actually. I don't know how they do that. Because not that they have bad how do movies. You even,
0: yeah, how do you even, like, I don't know, navigate Netflix? The, the main way that I use Netflix is on the smart TV here in the rectory, which belongs to the mm-hmm. pastor. And the user interface is garbage. It's basically the remote control, which is a directional pad. You have four directions and then a middle button, which is like the OK button or the enter button. And so if you want to type uh, something into search, you have to like use this thing on the screen that's a QWERTY key. It's not even a QWERTY keyboard, it's like the alphabet and you have to choose the letter with the directions and...
1: Listen, what, listen, all I know, I mean, I love Netflix, like we watch Stranger Things on it, which is oh, awesome. Oh, Netflix is great.
0: Netflix but is great for so many things.
1: the only, the times that I have like sat down and been like, oh wow, I have two hours, I'm gonna relax and just like pick a movie and do it and i don't have like a set plan going into netflix and i just no. start browsing i generally don't end up watching anything and end up just like more stressed out and frustrated than exactly. i was before so i don't exactly. know what that is but it's <laughs> like the struggle which by the
0: way would <laughs> would happen in blockbuster when i was in high school in all fairness like if we wanted to watch a movie or something And even into college there were still video stores It was before netflix existed um you could go to the video store and have the same experience of like, there's nothing good here. Um, What are we going to watch? And then you just settle on something. You don't actually like it. And then, or you got multiple people and you don't agree on what, you know, it's much better to have a movie like Babette's Feast. We're going to watch Babette's Feast tonight. Everybody's excited about it. You just go find it, you know, like whether that's on Amazon or Netflix or wherever you're going to find it. But there's something, I don't know, uniquely not good about Netflix. Netflix is, I'm going into you to see what is on offer and I'm going to choose something. You yeah. Know, you, despite all the algorithms and them knowing me what? and my preferences and everything and how many stars this is for me, I still don't feel like it gets me to things that I like very often.
2: Yeah. And and like despite how many options they have, you're really actually looking for one thing and you yeah. rarely find it. Right. Which is why it's so satisfying when you're like, "Hey, I want to watch a, hey, I want to watch this movie," right? And then you just go and yeah, it meets the exact need that you're looking for. Or at least I think the they exact pi- one. I think
0: they pigeonhole you too because a lot of times that exact movie is not the last thing you watched, but you'll you'll watch like a documentary on something, like I like this new Planet Earth uh, that they put out, and then all that comes up for your preferences is just like documentaries about nature or something. Or all you've watched is TV shows, like serial dramas or crime shows or something. So all that they show you are TV shows. They don't show you any movies anymore. They don't show you anything funny. It's all serious. It's all like crime-related. So they get you into a, a lane and then you can't get out of it. And I don't even know how you just look at random stuff on Netflix and not like continue watching for Connor or um, because you watched such and such, you might like this, you know, how do I just go to like comedy? Um, plus they have categories that are uber specific, like, <laughs> like d- dramas from the early two thousands with a strong female lead, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very specific genre. <laughs>
2: I don't spend a lot of time on Netflix. No, you don't? No, no, no. But Amazon Prime is a monster. <laughs> because you actually can uh, look at much more general categories, which it just leads to browsing for the sake of browsing, mm-hmm. which I find some sick enjoyment in. I don't know why. Never satisfaction, but just like immediate pleasure. hmm mm-hmm. It's stupid, and I never end up watching anything
1: either. Well, that's the thing. It's like so. I have twenty five options that are like, oh, that would that would be okay. Like that'd be good. Yeah, but like not the one I'm yeah I'm looking for,
2: dude. I was thinking because <clears throat> so this goes back to the basketball tournament. I have had many successes on the sports field. Won many tournaments. Had lots of trophies and lots of medals that's all i wanted to wow, say yeah, that's really cool <laughs> nice. i am one hell of a basketball player yeah. just wanted to put that out there on the well air well done no but even since being in seminary i mean won lots of tournaments won soccer tournaments volleyball tournaments basketball tournaments uh one in particular w- went out to Josephineum and won it and like i wasn't even planning on going to the tournament and then we got out there and won it and it was a lot of fun is that when you hit the buzzer beater yeah hit the buzzer oh, beater that
0: was the shot redux
2: yeah that was the shot that rang the around sequel. the world. Mm-hmm. Old yeah. Miracle Mets point 2. <laughs> yep. There it is. The sequel. What about the trilogy, huh? You know? Mm. Um but I of all the successes, the one that I wanted like and and this was true even in high school. Um like I never got that the one that I wanted. I had lots of successes, but it was never the one that correlated with what i was what i actually wanted and i mean that's kind of an extreme example but like these amazon whatever amazon prime netflix like you can go and you can get there are tons of options there are tons of movies that you could watch but like you you actually really want to only watch one Mm. and it they almost never have that one Mm. and so you're just left deeply unsatisfied and there's nothing worse than watching a movie you don't want to watch
0: well, have you energy. also considered the the idea? Because this happens to me with music, where I'll like, say there's
2: nothing worse than that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's pretty. And that's. Uh, there's a lot of stuff actually worse.
2: We'll we'll allow it. Continue. <laughs> yeah, you can't name one. <laughs>
0: name one thing worse. Um, <laughs> so, what about like you're you're in the car. And you want to look for like the exact music you want to listen to or the podcast or the audiobook or whatever, what, whatever you're going to listen to, if anything, in the car. I often have the same issue. Like, what well, do I first want to listen off,
1: to? you listen to Three Dogs North, but if assuming well, if you're not you're... if you're not us, oh,
0: that's obvious. But I'm talking about okay. just specifically guys who are yeah. members of Three Dogs North that don't want to listen to themselves, um, which Continue. is not always me. Sometimes I do throw on some Three Dogs North because it's just so damn good. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh no, it's like sometimes I think that I'm tr- the the issue is not the issue. It's not that there's nothing on Netflix. It's not that I can't find the perfect thing on Netflix to feed the desire I have. It's that Netflix does not have that thing. Like it's, it's the wrong place to look for what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? And a lot of times that that I come to that with the with the music or podcast or audiobook in the car, I'm like, you know, actually, what the thing is to do is right now is to not listen to anything and pray the rosary. Um, True. So I don't know. I That's, can't. No. No. Yeah, you're no. right. That's yeah. I forget I, I said I that. Con- forget it. No. I'm just
1: convinced <laughs> that like you just the question we're trying to ask, like bottom line, is that Father Gus has the answer to it. That's that... the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. Of just like, I don't know. It's time and time again, he's just there. You know, like if he mm-hmm. goes through Netflix, he's just gonna pick a movie and do it, and like be satisfied with it. It'll be right. spot on, dude. That he guy... was at all those games over the weekend, dude. Oh my gosh, on... yeah. He's
0: always at the tournament games. I love that yep. about him.
1: Yep. And like, you know, not like making a scene, a big deal, but he's there. But like, you better believe it. And I saw it, and I was like, dang it, of course. Dude, he's over in the corner watching the game. Thank like, you, thank you for saying that. Because
2: mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you remember, but when Baron was here, he <clears throat> talked about the qualities of being a good father. Yep. And he mentioned Father Gus yep. coming to one of his basketball games. Football. I was
1: think. it? A, it was a football game. When like Baron was in like college seminary. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh-huh.
2: he said he he caught a pass over on the sideline and looked up and there was Father <laughs> Gus. I yep. remember
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
2: And and so so Friday, Friday or Saturday morning, I wake up and I'm like, you know, what? I I like to go to confession today. And I'm trying to think of like, well, where can I go? Can I go to Marytown in between games or maybe I'll just find a priest on campus? And I go over to the gym. Sure enough, there's Father Gus in the gym for our game before I even get there Mm -hmm. for our game. And I come up and just say, hey, Father Gus, is it okay after the game if I go to confession with you? I don't know. We'll find a spot. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. No worries. Finish the game go over and find him we sit and chit chat for a little while and i'm like yeah is it all right if we go and we just go and sit outside and go to confession very very beautiful um he was just there for me and i told him basically that like thank you for your model of of fatherhood for us like you're just always there he was the first face i ever saw from Mundeline. he picked me up from the airport. Oh, wow. at at like eight at night at midway and drove me up for my interviews wearing a wearing a ball cap <laughs> just driving a normal car like just chit-chatting on the way and and so I said th- just thank you for always being here like since I've stepped foot on this campus even before that you have just been there for me and been a great priest and he goes yeah you know I just um I just try to be where I think I'm supposed to be and like things just come and find me Mm. like that was that was his priesthood i'm just where i think i'm supposed to be and then stuff happens wow (laughs) wow like oh my gosh dude (laughs) so just his his contentment just with moments of life of like this is where i'm supposed to be and if the lord wants to make something of it if
1: some if somebody needs me i'm here well, it's just, I've I'm even, just here. he's like extraordinarily well-read too. Yeah. I mean, Father Gus, but yeah, and just piecing it again, I mean, he's got like a and philosophy. just for listeners' back, sake,
0: but, this is the guy who does the outro. Three Dogs that, North are on, Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz.
2: That's Father Gus. Yeah.
1: Father Gus.
2: Express yeah,
1: But I think a lot of that is just like, he's just like, been here a lot like i remember in maybe pre-theology we were talking about doing a book club of like random and it never kind of came to fruition but he had heard about it and he was like yeah let me know i'll do it with you guys and and he had talked about like different book clubs that have like come and gone in his years here and like the cool literature that he's been able to read through them of like nothing that he like came in kind of demanding his will and it was just like oh this group of guys is reading this book i'll just read it with them yeah or i mean whatever like just the movie you know, the guy guys in my time here there's been multiple different like movie clubs that watch movies with father gus
2: i think yeah. the steel brothers watched the entirety of lost with yeah. them
1: yeah that was like a semester <laughs> yeah that <laughs> yeah. they did. Dude. yep that would be so fun it would be very
2: fun What's his reaction be?
0: Well, bro, dudes, it's been real, dude. I don't know if this content is good. I don't know if this content's going to be good, but the uh, the podcast was very enjoyable to me.
1: It was good. Yeah. Are you doing well? I mean, sorry, I didn't really get what you were kind of saying there. But
0: apology rejected.
1: Continue. Are you doing well? Answer (laughs) the question. Okay.
0: No, no, that's fine. I that's it, that's what happens when you have like some idea that you can't really articulate well and you're just thinking out loud, which is kind of how I process. But Mike, man, you hit it on the head. It's exactly what it that's what exactly what that feeling is, is that you you enter stages of life where it's not a clear roadmap and then you look back and you're like, Oh, there was a roadmap. And I didn't see it.
1: Are you ready? dogs streak the dogs
2: good girl